today is Saturday, January 7, and on Monday it will be eight weeks since I filed for divorce. And it's interesting when you talk about divorce with people or tell them that you're getting a divorce, it's amazing how many people also have been divorced that I didn't even know about. For example, the other day I was talking to a friend of mine who's a graphic artist and we're working on a project together and I mentioned to him that I was um, completing a divorce and he said, oh yeah, that's no fun. I've been divorced too. And I said, oh wow, I, I didn't know that. And I mean, why would I? People don't go around just volunteering that they are divorced uh, he is married to, this artist is married to a woman and they were married recently and I just assumed it was his first marriage. And like I said, it's interesting when I talk with people about it, how many of them also have had a divorce. My own marriage counselor, therapist, who I still see occasionally, also has had a divorce. In fact, his first marriage only lasted um, a few days, maybe a week, he married someone. And then after, I think it was a literally one week, he realized that it was a very bad decision and they divorced very quickly. And now he's been married to his current wife for, I think, more than 20 years. But so many people I know have had a divorce. Many of my friends are on their second marriages. I even have a few who are on their third marriages. So it's such a common thing. And I know they say, you know, one in two marriages ends in divorce. But wow, when I, when I look around, I think that's, it seems actually true. I wonder if <clears throat> it would be a good idea if when couples married, you know, you have to apply for a marriage license and some churches require you to go through um, a counseling workshop or something like that before you're married. I wonder if government, not that I'm for any more government intervention, but if there should, if couples should be required to submit some sort of an exit plan. And I know there's, you know, such a thing as a prenuptial agreement, which I now fully understand and wish I would have had in place when I got married. But, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to get married. You apply for the license and then you go and you do it. You either have a big ceremony or you marry in front of the justice of the peace. But it seems like with so many marriages ending in divorce and our courts are full of it and fighting and fighting over custody and fighting over assets, divorces that drag out and are very expensive. If there was some kind of requirement for couples when they apply for a marriage license to also articulate, even if it's just very broadly, articulate how they might exit the marriage. I mean, after all, it is a business deal. It really is. A marriage is a business deal and it's very easy to enter into and it's much more difficult to get out of, I guess, Inherently, that's the way it ought to be. But if couples spent more time thinking about what their exit strategy looks like, not that they're planning for the breakup, but 
at least agreeing to, to some certain things, I think it, it, it would be helpful. I wish I would have had a prenuptial agreement, especially when I left my job. Um, I should have protected myself. I never thought that I would be a divorced person. I know that there are some states, Texas is not one of them, but there are, are some states that have literally a mathematical formula to help calculate support for the spouse, whether that's a male or female, who left their career and lost earning power. And I think this is brilliant. And I think that all states should have this. I wish Texas had this, but you can actually figure it out. You can look at the the spouse who continued their career and look at their earning trajectory and see percentage-wise, literally, I mean, the numbers don't lie, how their career um, expanded and grew and what their earning potential became and earning power became. And then, you know, somehow protect and compensate the spouse who gave up the career. Now, this could get hairy, especially if, you know, let's say the woman, uh, they married young and the woman really didn't have um, a career beforehand, you know, or maybe even an education or vice versa. It could be man or woman. It, it It could get difficult, but there are some states in the United States who attempt to, um, have a formula in place for when things like this happen. I have been looking for a job for years, literally, and cannot get a better job. And I have rejection after rejection after rejection. And yesterday I was sitting in a meeting uh, in the communications department of the university where I work, and they were listing off the alumni students who have graduated with a communications degree, which is what I have, an undergrad communications degree, they were listing off the jobs that our graduates have been able to secure. And it's wonderful news. It's fantastic news. And I'm so happy for them. But I was also very jealous and very sad because here are these kids, what I think are kids that, you know, they're graduating at age 21 and 22, and they're going to work at major employers. They're going to work at Dell and Apple and IBM and many other companies in the field of communications. And I can't seem to break back into that. I have applied and can't get an interview. And even when I do get an interview and I think it goes well, I still don't get the job. I think that companies want to hire young people, people in their 20s, maybe their 30s, but me, I'm 46, and I I don't find that they're very interested in hiring me. It, It has to be age discrimination. I hate to say that, but I think that it is. I've tried very hard to get my career back on track. I applied just for six jobs this past week, and and we'll see uh, what becomes of that. Now, all six of those jobs, well, five of those jobs were at Austin ISD, the school district here. Um, Some specialty positions that require a master's degree in education, which is what I have, and those jobs start at 54,000. That would be great. If I could earn 54000 that would be amazing. And I don't know if some of these jobs that I apply to in public relations and marketing and, you know, writing jobs, if they look at my resume, maybe they go, oh, this girl 
she's going to want to get paid 90000 a year. You know, we can't hire her. But that's not the case. I've been advised to take off, uh, off of my resume the year that I graduated undergrad because that immediately, of course, ages me. It, it dates me. I graduated with my bachelor's degree in 1992. So one could deduce if I went to college immediately after high school, you know, they can get a pretty good idea that I'm in my mid-40s. And they just don't want to hire a person in their in their mid-40s. But the point I'm trying to make is that I left my job and I, I cannot seem to get any traction on getting my career back on track or at least back back at all it's as though I have to start over I'm making less money now than I was making in 1994 which is just incredible to me or in 97 I mean I look back at the jobs that I left and I was making a lot more than I'm making right now and if I could make 48,000 a year I could sustain myself pretty well. If I was making 54, that would be better. If I could make $97,000 a year, I could, I figured this out last night, if I could make $97,000 a year, I could maintain the complete lifestyle that I have right now with no help whatsoever from my ex. It would take $97,000 a year for me to bring home what it what I need to pay for everything that I have in my budget. And I fantasize about how great it would be to be able to support myself again and to not have to rely on another person. I don't enjoy that. I don't want to have to rely on another person. I want to support myself and answer only to myself and not have to worry about whether that person is going to help me if I need it whether they're going to help me maintain the budget. You know, there's a lot of emotion wrapped up in a divorce and that spills over into one's charity towards another person. And that's a scary place to be. I feel very vulnerable and there's a lot tied up in my trying to find a job. You know, I, I think, wow, have I peaked? Is that it? I peaked back you know, in my early 30s. I just don't understand why companies don't want to hire me. You know, for one thing, you know, at least they know I'll never be leaving to take maternity leave. I probably have a good 20 years of work left in me. Um, My kids are pretty well grown. I mean, my daughter's leaving home this year for college. My son is a couple years behind, so it's not like I'm trying to raise two small children, which I know, you know, can take people out of the workplace a lot if kids are sick or have activities or whatever. An employee my age, to me, seems like would be a pretty good bet, but can't seem to, can't seem to get hired. So anyway, I wish I would have protected myself when I left my career and I'm not even sure how I would have done that and I think what makes prenuptials so scary and agreements like what I'm describing so scary is that you're putting a contingency plan in place in case of failure and that's admitting that you're susceptible to failure that your relationship could fail and that's a scary thing for couples to do I 
I was thinking, oh, we're different. You know, we're going to be together forever no matter what. I'm going to keep my family together no matter what. But you don't know that your spouse is going to change and, and do things that you just find impossible to live with. I, I didn't even consider that. So I'm not sure how I would have protected myself. Maybe I would have talked to an attorney and said, I'm, I'm quitting my career. You know, what kind of um, protection can I put in place? Maybe it wouldn't even hold any strength up in court. I have no idea. But I think the legal system and the justice system just don't, don't protect I'll say it. They don't protect women because mostly it's women that we're talking about. But they don't protect the spouse that stays home to raise the children, to be the parent who's in the house, to volunteer in the community, to volunteer in the school. I mean, I look back on all the things that I did while I was a stay-at-home mom, and the community needed what I did and all what all the moms did and some dads too, a lot of dads that volunteered. We were the scout leaders. We volunteered for all the things at the school and in the community. And, you know, it's cliche, but you got to say it takes a village. And now I'm going to pay for having made that choice. And I don't discount the wonderful, blissful time I had staying home with my children. I still wouldn't do it any other way. But I will be financially disadvantaged after my divorce, for sure, like millions of other women find themselves. So I guess the moral of this story is have a prenup. <laughs>